You are Locked On College Football, your daily podcast on all things college football. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another Friday edition of the Locked On College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kahn. With me, as always, is Big Ten Ben Stevens and our man Colin Wilson from the Action Network. We're going to get you all set for college football this Saturday. And I'm going to do a little shocking thing for you here, Big Ten Ben. You ain't got the hat on right now, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. Let's go, Big Ten. Let's talk about this matchup at the Big House. Big noon kickoff. You got Michigan and Michigan State. How are we feeling about this game? I mean, the narrative couldn't be any different on both of the two teams, right? Michigan has that very impressive high-scoring game against Minnesota. Uh, Everything in the defensive side of the ball from the back seven, the secondary, uh, to the front seven and the havoc, everything was clicking for the defense. And Michigan just could not look any better. And the offense was scary good. They're finding an identity. I think it's important to note for people that want to know what kind of offense Josh Gaddis is establishing, because we're looking for an identity here with Milton and what it is they want to do. Six of seven first-half drives started with a pass. That's not typical Michigan football. You know, they didn't really ever pass the ball in standard downs. They were typical running standard downs, passing, passing down, sometimes running, passing downs. Uh, Josh Gaddis went to the pass immediately, and whenever he would get first downs, he would continue to pass the ball. I think the key stat that people need to realize here is that when the game was competitive in the first half, Michigan averaged 23 seconds per play. Now, they ended up finishing around 70th in the nation in pace, but that includes a whole bunch of garbage time in the second half. So considering, you know, Michigan's pace about what they want to establish and the identity that they want to have, it's not to just run the ball straight into what is the strongest part of the Michigan State defense, which is the front seven. It's attacking a very inexperienced secondary that got torched last week. Uh, So I think it's going to be high tempo for Michigan. And then at the Michigan State side of the ball, listen, Mel Tucker's trying to establish a culture, a brand. They want to establish the run. But when you get down by two or three TDs, you're not establishing the run anymore. Uh, I'm not sure they can put any points up uh, against Michigan, but we're going to find out. I really like the first half over in this game, considering Josh Gaddis's pace with Milton and the offense and the pass first nature that we saw last week. A big spread for that game. The Wolverines, a 24-and-a-half-point favorite. Do you guys want my astute expert Big Ten analysis about this matchup between the Wolverines and the Spartans? Yeah. Michigan State sucks. Michigan <laughs> is pretty good. So I would also lay the points and take Michigan in the game against Michigan State, despite it being a hefty 24-and-a-half-point spread. So Now, I am biased, and I think that we have some good games in the Big Ten. Yeah, Colin, you were saying? I was going to say that the the Harbaugh has a history here, like of playing bully ball at home. So I went into Bet Labs. If you guys go to Action Network, we have a Bet Labs product where you can search back to 2005 on like point spreads and stuff. When Jim Harbaugh is favored between seven and 35 points at home against the Big Ten, he's been eight and three against the spread. So that's Mm. a good one to know is that he likes to play bully ball at home. It's always been that way. I like that. That makes me feel more confident in my selection of Michigan, even covering the points of that 24 and a half point win total. So, I think the Big Ten has the best slate overall, but we'll move away from the Big Ten. I think we'll get back to that big matchup between third-ranked Ohio State and 18th-ranked Penn State a little bit later on. 
And let's focus on a game from the group of five, one of the better matchups across all of college football this upcoming Saturday. Memphis visits Cincinnati, the seventh-ranked Bearcats, a six-and-a-half-point favorite, the over-under total 55. Since he coming off a huge statement win over SMU last Saturday, Colin, do you think Luke Fickle and Cincinnati stay undefeated and cover that spread? Yeah, I mean, I think the spread is spot on about where it should be. Really, my focus came in on the total. These two teams know each other extremely well. If you remember, they played each other two straight weeks last year to end 2019, ended the regular season, and they met each other again in the championship game. And it's really Memphis's offense versus Cincinnati's defense is good on good. Memphis's offensive line should keep Brady White clean, but expect him to have some pretty quick release because he doesn't want the Cincinnati defense to be on top of him. His completion percentage is 71% when he doesn't have pressure. That's the whole key to the Memphis explosive offense is him having a clean look at the receiver that he wants to go to. And there's something, I mean, the Cincinnati defense, SMU had just two passes over 20 yards and 51 attempts against Cincinnati. SMU, the air raid had zero explosive drives against Cincinnati. So it truly is good on good. Cincinnati's limiting teams with just 1.8 yards in scoring opportunities. What that means is when teams get past the 40-yard line. So Memphis's best chance to score maybe an explosive play from somewhere outside of the 40-yard line. Memphis D struggles with explosive passing. They're 87th and, and passing EPA. Uh, but that isn't really what Desmond Ritter does for Cincinnati. Ritter has become an explosive element on the ground. Now, he would rush in previous years, but now we're seeing explosive runs uh, you know, his yards per carry, everything is just different on the ground. We don't know kind of the kind of work that he's done in the offseason. These two teams have completely different paces. It, I think the question in the handicap comes in who dictates the tempo. Cincinnati wants it to be slow. They don't want if, if Memphis isn't scoring, they're going to try to build that lead similar to what they did to Army when they covered, a, you know, a really short total with a big point spread. But, you know, 42 points from Cincinnati on SMU all came on explosive plays. It wasn't pace whatsoever. It is an explosive mm -hmm. offense. So if Memphis gets behind two possessions, you can expect them to have plenty of tempo. Uh, I just think this game screams over. I projected over the 55. Uh, you know, the side, you know, it's going to be tough for Cincinnati to cover any, you know, spread that big unless there's just a monster area where they can expose the other team. I think Memphis can come back on almost anybody in the country with their explosive offense. So I would avoid the side. I'd play the over. All right, real quick before we get into your locked on lock of the week. Arkansas head coach Sam Pittman came out this week and said Texas is their rival, not Texas A&M. Yep. Texas A&M going, uh, do they make a statement in this game against Arkansas and say, hey, we're the rival, not Texas? So uh, I will say – I'll say they're not related. I'll say Texas A&M does make a statement, and Arkansas's real rival is Texas football. Now, I know Texas football thinks of Arkansas – nobody under – 35 thinks of Arkansas as a rival. But I got news for everybody that remembers the Southwest Conference, at least I do from my childhood. Arkansas and Texas were number one and number two through the 60s and the 70s. It was a massive matchup that President Richard Nixon would fly in to go watch in 1969, the game of the year. Texas, Arkansas is a really, really big deal uh, in these parts of the country. And so when you look at Texas A&M, like our record over them in the Southwest Conference was like, Arkansas was like 80 and 27 against A&M. We never considered them a rival. They were never that great of a football school. It's really the growth of Texas high school football and the recruiting that made Texas A&M so big and the move to the SEC, the dollars, getting away from Texas, you know, all that good stuff. But in this game specifically, I think Arkansas is in trouble. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm an alumni of Arkansas and I'm their biggest fan. But the reason they beat Ole Miss and Mississippi State is because those are gimmicky offenses. Those are air raid offenses. Those are pass offenses. 
And Sam Pittman and Barry Odom were smart enough to rush just three, drop eight, and make them struggle. That's the template for everybody to play Ole Miss and Mississippi State. And you can see how it's working on both of them. That's not what Texas A&M is going to do. Texas A&M, top 25 in the country in rushing success rate. Arkansas ranks 95th in success rate against the rush. Texas A&M is going to put them in a vice grip. It's going to be like a, it's going to be like a wrestling match from the early 80s where somebody gets in a headlock and 12 minutes later there's a tap because it's going to be slow. It's going to be ugly. Texas A&M is going to stick to the ground, take their shots through the air when they can. I mean, the reason why Arkansas has been so good is because they're number one in the country in defending pass explosiveness. That's not Texas A&M's game. So I think it's going to be a slow grinding death to this Arkansas steam uh, this weekend. So let's get to Colin Wilson's locked on lock of this week, week number nine of college football. Colin, who are you putting your money with and who should the people trust for this upcoming weekend? Yeah, I think everybody needs to be paying attention in the Big 12, uh, you know, another Big 12 game. I'm going to be going with West Virginia, uh, you know, taking on Kansas State coming out there. And it really doesn't have anything to do with like, you know, missing Skylar Thompson. Uh, it has everything to do with what the identity is of Kansas State. And that is that they are a very explosive offense. They're number one in the country in pass explosiveness, seventh in rushing explosiveness. Uh, you know, they're running back and, and Will Howard's been great in the, in the absence of Skylar Thompson. I mean, they they are boomer bust. They're 95th in success rate and seventh in rushing explosiveness, which means they're not getting first downs. They're just ripping off 60 yard runs. Right. And if you look at West Virginia, they're putting up just amazing numbers in the defensive category that I think people no one's paying attention to this and they're and they're really doing it at home. They're fifth in the nation defensive passing success rate. They're 15th in rushing success rate on defense. I don't know how they put up enough points. I think Neil Brown's still struggling to figure out, uh, you know, exactly what they're going to do on the offensive side of the ball. They do have a short and successful passing attack. Don't ask them to go over 10 yards, but maybe that's enough to, you know, to get Kansas State a little bit unbalanced. But listen, Kansas State's all boom and bust. And, you know, West Virginia has the defense to keep anybody from doing explosive plays. I love the Mountaineers this weekend. Colin Wilson going against the short king, Deuce Vaughn, 5'5", the playmaker himself. Oh, blasphemy. Well, you got to look at – listen, if you're going to have players like Deuce Vaughn, Travis Etienne, guys that can just take defenders out of their shoes, you need to do a little bit extra research and find a defense that has low number of missed tackles. That's West Virginia. There you have it. The Locked On Lock of the Week from our man Colin Wilson of the Action Network. Going with – the West Virginia Mountaineers in this one. All right. Thanks, buddy. And we'll uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks for having me, guys. Anytime you got a full Saturday of college football, I'm talking big noon kickoff. As the day goes on, you got to have that energy and you got to break through that wall. You got to start with built go. Give me that energy to get to those mid-afternoon games before. You get to those night games at the prime time where you want to be awake. You want to be ready for that. You don't want that two two o'clock feeling as you're getting ready to watch Texas and Oklahoma State go at it in Stillwater, Oklahoma. You got to check out the Built Go. So go to BuiltGo.com. Promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D. You get 20% off. I know my man right here, Big Ten Ben, knows all about needing that energy to make it through.
You talk about that 2 p.m. wall. It hit me last week, Patrick. I was so excited for the season opener, the opening weekend of Big Ten football. But by the time we got to like 2.15, 2.30, and I'm watching Ohio State start to pull away from Nebraska, I'm watching Rutgers pull off a huge upset surprise over Michigan State. I started to get tired. I slip in a Bilko, the peanut butter honey, my favorite flavor, and I was ready to go. Energized again for a great afternoon slate. That's how I'm going to be every Saturday. I'm going to make sure I have my energy with me. And like you said, the deal right now is incredible at BuiltGo.com when you use the promo code LOCKED for 20% off your next order. Again, LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. So on Saturday, when we're getting ready for the big noon kickoff, just before it kicks off, Michigan, Michigan State, Ooh. you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to reach into my fridge, mm. and I am going to get out the beer that's made, for, made to chill, the official Ooh. beer of watching college football. I'm talking about Coors Light, cold lagered, cold filtered. It's made to chill. And that's the best way to go when you got college football. And it starts at 11 a.m. Central, depending on where you're at, maybe noon, maybe a little bit before. But it's never too early to get started with the beer that's made to chill. Especially throughout the week, as we're finding ourselves in our hectic schedules, you might be in work meetings, you might be having to go on dinner runs or whatever it may be. By the time you get to Saturday, by the time you get to college football Saturday, you want to sit down, you want to relax, you want to crack open the beer that is literally made to chill. Like Patrick said, that is Coors Light. The reason it's cold lagered, cold filtered, cold packaged, Patrick, as you know, because Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Golden Colorado literally takes the water from the Rocky Mountain streams, right? The Rocky Mountains, the idyllic mountain landscape of this country, and they infuse it in the beer that is made to chill. That is why Coors Light works so well. That's why it's the beer I turn to when I need to unwind and when I want to enjoy my college football Saturdays. Absolutely. Like you said, Coors Brewing Company, Golden Colorado, the beer that's made to chill. So when you get ready for this game this week, you don't have to make that beer run. They'll bring it right to you. Just go to Mm get.coorslight.com, get it right to you, and then you can start cracking open the cold ones because it's made to chill. All right, so we heard it from our man, Colin. He told us where to put our money in the Big 12, going with West mm-hmm. Virginia against K-State. You know, it's an interesting matchup. Let's go ahead and uh, let's start there. Let's start with that game. Okay. Looking at this yeah. matchup, Will Howard, obviously, he's filled in nicely for Skylar Thompson. Uh, I love Deuce Vaughn. I love the the way that they play. I mean, that's, a, that's one of those rare Big 12 teams that plays defense, much like a West Virginia However, I'm a little different than Colin. I don't believe in the West Virginia offense. I mean, I like Jared Dagey, but like he said, he's a he's a short to intermediate quarterback. You know, they can run the ball with Letty Brown, but can they do enough against that Kansas State defense? They can create turnovers, uh, and Dagey has been prone to it. I mean, I'm just going to say this. West Virginia struggled with Baylor. Baylor is not a good football team at all. I mean, we just mm-hmm. saw what Texas did to them. Um, you know, people will say, oh, well, the final score is 27 to 16. That game was not as close as that score appeared. They didn't score until the fourth quarter, you know. And so when I look at this team, I just don't think that they can do enough against that Kansas State uh, defense. And I think Will Howard running the football. I think Deuce Vaughn running the football is going to be too much, even for that stout front of the West Virginia. Uh, you had the two brothers, the uh, the – I can't think of their names. Oh, Steels, the Steels brothers, Dante and Darius yeah, Steels. Those two guys, they are uh, going to be issues. But I, I think that Kansas State offensive line can do just enough. Um, I do think they cover in this game. 
Listen, Patrick, I don't like agreeing with you, and I don't like agreeing with you when I'm disagreeing with Colin Wilson's locked-on lock of the week, but I have to agree with you. Kansas State has won four in a row. As we were getting ready for the show, I was kind of scrolling through doing the research, and I looked, I'm like, what? The Wildcats are 16th in the country? Kind of surprised me a little bit, but they've won four straight. West Virginia has looked shaky. They barely beat a Texas Tech team. I mean, I don't really expect a lot out of WVU. I think Neil Brown's still trying to figure it out. Jarrett Dagey has looked inconsistent. What? Let me correct you. Texas Tech beat they West lose? Virginia. They, right. Tech. Yeah. I knew it was one of the two. Texas Tech beat them, which makes my point even more valid here. I believe in our short king, 5'5", five, five, Deuce Vaughn, a playmaker both in the ground game and receiving, as you mentioned a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, reminds you of Darren Sproles in Manhattan, Kansas, as it should, because he has that same kind of playmaking ability. Obviously, that is large praise for a freshman. We'll see if he gets there. But give me the points, especially because Kansas State is a three-and-a-half-point underdog, even on the road in Morgantown. I like Kansas State this week. I don't really trust West Virginia. And something's got to be going right if you won four in a row, including a road win at Oklahoma. The only loss for Kansas State this year is against Arkansas State back in week one and what has been a weird season. So I like Kansas State and the points. I'm a little bit concerned that we both disagree with Colin Wilson, though. I will be honest. Well, you know, I have to go with that because you look at uh, they struggled against a Texas Tech defense that, you know, has given up a lot of points this year. Uh, Texas Tech is going to have their own problems this weekend as they're hosting the Oklahoma Sooners. That's going to be a tough matchup for them. Uh what are some of the other games that you were looking at? Because when I look at the Big 12, obviously the big game for me is going to be Texas, Oklahoma State. That's a big matchup. Uh, obviously the West Virginia uh, game is, is a big matchup. Where, where are you going on, on, our, on our next game here? I mean, I think one of the safest things in the entire world is betting against Kansas football. So 23rd ranked Iowa State, who just barely lost to Oklahoma State last week. And Brees Hall continues to just fill up the stat sheet. Even 28 and a half points, take the points and take the Cyclones. Oklahoma and Texas, the Sooners seem to be bouncing back. Spencer Rattler finding his rhythm at the end of that Texas game. He looks to have played well last week against TCU as well. I would like that one. I'm also very interested in Texas, Oklahoma State. I know that is a game you'll touch on for your locked on lock of the week. But I think this is a game that Oklahoma State, we speak about a team that doesn't really play defense in the Big 12, or Big 12 is not known for defense, but Oklahoma State does. 10th best in the country in scoring defense, allowing opponents just to score about 12 points per game. They get to the QB well, 11th in sack percentage. And if you're going to challenge Sam Ellinger in the pass game, you're going to force him to run, and he is really Texas's ground game, just him, Sam Ellinger is Texas's running game. So I think that will allow Oklahoma State to hone in on really taking away the pass from Texas. And I would think Oklahoma State, who's a three-and-a-half-point favorite, I would take the Cowboys this weekend. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you, you're right on with where how most people feel. And, and we're really going to get into that into our second se or our next segment. Uh, real quick, I want to touch on this game just because of it's it's kind of a unique game. LSU-Auburn. Uh, mm. How are you feeling about this game? I know. You know, LSU put up some points, uh, 52 points right. last weekend. Uh, and going up against an Auburn team that's really struggling, I mean, they're ready to run Gus Malzahn out of out of Auburn. Not a shock. It seems like they want to run him out every year. Uh, how are you feeling about this game? Do you, do you like Auburn in this game? Um, I think they're – yeah, the Auburn is a two-and-a-half-point dog in this game. So how are you feeling about it? I mean, it's anybody's guess, really. The Battle of the Tigers. These two teams have been so inconsistent. Yes, LSU looked great last week. TJ Finley, the freshman, looked good. 17 of 21, 265 to the air, two touchdowns. Only missed four times in his debut in college. That has to give them confidence. The defense finally held an SEC team not named Vanderbilt to under 40 points. 
I think LSU scores enough in this game to beat Auburn. I could see it being a high scoring game, which would something we're not accustomed to when you see these two teams play, but I think it could be like a 38, 31 LSU win. And in that way they would cover. All right, there you have it. All right, but coming up next, we're going to get into our final game picks of the week and our locked on lock of the week. All right, Big Ten, Ben, let's go back into your neck of the woods. I know you want to talk about this game. I want to hear about this game. We're talking Ohio State. We're talking Penn State. The only top 25 matchup on the schedule this weekend. A lot of problems with Penn State. No Journey Brown, no Noah Kane. How are they going to match up against that Ohio State offense? I mean, it's going to be very, very difficult. The only good thing for Penn State last week against Indiana when they were upset by the Hoosiers in historic fashion was the fact that the defense was able to limit that Indiana offense that also has some weapons. And the two edge rushers in Shaka Tony and Jason Owe looked as good as their billing was in the preseason leading up to this 2020 Big Ten campaign. But Ohio State, a 12-point favorite even on the road, the over-under total 63.5. Normally, these games have been close, decided by one single point in two of the last three matches matchups, but I can't pick against Ohio State right now. I think what they are doing offensively, and we've talked about Justin Fields being even better than he was last year when he set a record in the Big Ten Conference, the only quarterback ever in 2019 to rush for 10 touchdowns and throw for 40 touchdowns in a single season. He looks to be even better. 20 of 21 last weekend, 278 through the air and two tutties against Nebraska. He looks to be incredible. Added one on the ground as well. I just can't pick against Ohio State right now. Normally, 12 points in this matchup would be way too big. But right now, with no fans in Happy Valley, no wide out this weekend, give me the Buckeyes to cover. I think they win by two touchdowns. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going with Ohio State to cover. Let me give you the three reasons why I don't believe in Penn State. We talked about it. No Journey Brown and Noah Kane. No Micah Parsons. You know, he's he's a difference maker mm. when he's on that field. Uh, he, is, he is everything. All the billing that you've heard about this guy, as far as an NFL draft prospect, he is it. Uh, but when I look at this team, I just don't think they have enough. And I'm really anxious to watch Justin Fields and those young wide receivers. They looked really good last week against Nebraska. And obviously, they're loaded. So, yeah, give me the Buckeyes. The one area Penn State might look to take advantage of Ohio State's defense is that RPO spread game. Nebraska looked good against the Buckeyes last week. 210 yards on the ground for the Huskers. Sean Clifford shows that he has the legs, so that might be an area. I just don't think it's enough in that game. Another Big Ten game I want to highlight real quick is the game we discussed with Colin Wilson. Big noon kickoff, the battle for Paul Bunyan's trophy. 13th-ranked Michigan hosting Michigan State. The Wolverines a 24.5-point favorite again. Joe Milton looked so comfortable and calm in that first week. Nothing outstanding on the stat sheet, but looked to be really in control of Josh Gaddis's offense. And that rushing attack for Michigan last week against Minnesota. As a team, Patrick, they averaged 8.3 yards per carry. Their leading rusher, Hassan Haskins, six rush attempts, 82 yards, two touchdowns. His backup, Zach Charbonnet, four rushes, 75 yards, a touchdown. Incredibly explosive on the ground. I think they take advantage of a really, really bad Michigan State team. Even with 24 and a half points, take Michigan, lay the points. It's all Wolverines on Saturday for Paul Bunyan's trophy. Uh, when you see that the team that Michigan is playing lost to Rutgers, Rutgers, who hasn't won a Big 12 or a Big 10 game since what, 2017? Yeah. Yeah. Give me Michigan in this game. All right. Let's, right. let's I mean, I agree with you. Let's dive on into it. I'm going to let yeah. you have the honors here. What is you. your lock on lock of the week? 
Unsurprisingly, Patrick, I am staying in the Big Ten. And it's a team that you just mentioned as well. Rutgers, who snapped a 21-game Big Ten losing streak last week, beating the Spartans. But this week, they get Indiana. 17th-ranked Hoosiers on the road in Piscataway, taking on the Scarlet Knights to battle for first place atop the Big Ten East alongside Ohio State. But there is a world, Patrick. If Rutgers can pull off another upset over Indiana, they would be taking on Ohio State in Week 3 in a battle of unbeatens. It would be a crazy world. It would be 2020 in a nutshell, but it does not happen this week. Indiana, a 10-point favorite. If you would have told me that line before last week's Rutgers win, I would have said, take my mortgage from 20 years down the line of hopefully some fancy house I'm living in and put it on this game. Indiana will do too much for Rutgers to keep up with. Rutgers, as Colin mentioned last week, against Michigan State, took advantage of short fields. They turned the Spartans over seven times, but four of their six scoring times, scoring drives for the Scarlet Knights were 26 yards or less. They didn't really put and sustain drives together. I think that shows this week. Unless you're going to turn over IU seven times, I don't think Rutgers really has a chance in this ballgame. The Hoosiers win by two touchdowns, three touchdowns, enough to cover that 10-point spread. That is my best bet locked on lock of this weekend. Indiana as a 10-point favorite over Rutgers. You know, I'm with you, but I, I, I'm also hoping that Rutgers does win because I want to see Greg Schiano against Ohio State, the defense that he coordinated. I would love to see that matchup. Uh, but for my lock on lock of the week, going to the Big 12, and I know you're shocked. I'm going with that Texas game against Oklahoma State. Check this. The last time Texas went into Stillwater, they were the number six ranked team playing an unranked Oklahoma State team. This time it's flipped, mm. but I'm going with the same result. I'm going with Oklahoma State to cover and beat Texas in this game. And the reason why is when you look at this, obviously we talked about it, the defense. Uh, they're going to stop the run. They're, Sam Ellinger is going to see a lot of loaded boxes in this game. Texas wants to stay committed yeah. to running the football, but the problem is that the only person that can really stay committed to running the football and successfully do it is Sam Ellinger. I think that they are doing too much with trying to move in different parts, You know, whether it's B. John Robinson, whether it's Roshan Johnson, whether it's Keontae Ingram, I think there's too much uh, moving moving parts. I think they need to pick a guy and stick with him. If you think Bijan's the guy, if you think Keontae, Roshan, I understand bringing guys in to keep people fresh, but they need to stick with one guy. Same problem they're having in the wide receivers. Uh, I just think that Spencer Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, L.D. Brown, Kylan Wallace, this is just too much for that Texas defense who – have really struggled. I mean, and we've seen it week in and week out. So that's what I'm going with. Locked on lock of the week. Take Oklahoma State to cover in this game against Texas. You shocked me last week by thinking that Baylor would upset Texas or at least cover in your locked on lock of the week. Did not happen. Maybe Texas likes when you pick against them in your locked on locks of the week. Maybe it's the best thing for Tom Herman right now. Uh, it can't hurt him any worse than he's being hurt right now. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On College Football Podcast. Make sure you're checking out Locked On Longhorns, Locked On Big Ten with my man, Big Ten Ben. Uh, but that's it for us. Just make sure you're tuning in to the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.